Welcome back, y'all. It is Tuesday night for the college football breakdown. I'm your host, Zachary Haynes. This is our preview and prediction podcast for the conference champ week. We have a couple of other big thoughts that happened since we had the podcast last night. Brian Kelly has been hired at LSU for 10 years, $95 million. Everybody was talking about him at Florida State and, and the Notre Dame saying how his whole team needed to be executed after their execution for the Florida State game. And now that's kind of like a long-lasting joke on how he pretty much just um, executed his whole team from the college football playoff contention now that he's missing. Um, and then we have a couple of, of other announcements. Lincoln Riley now introduced as the USC head coach. Billy Napier news. We're going to get all that and a lot more with the podcast. I also have a special guest on the podcast, Trey Woodbury. Say hello, Trey. Hey, guys. Good to be here. I love the podcast. Excited to talk about this interesting week in college football and these great matchups that are coming up this weekend. Oh, man. Some some great matchups. Alabama and Georgia. And we'll say Oklahoma State and Baylor because that's, that's going to that's be, be a good game. I, I can't wait for that game as well. A lot of interesting matchups. Let's jump right into it. Brian Kelly, like I said, to LSU 10 years and $95 million. At some point, you knew that someone was going to take a shot at Brian Kelly to an elite program. I'm not saying that Notre Dame's not an elite program. What I'm saying is, is that Brian Kelly took them as far as they could go with Notre Dame. They were not, they were not going to compete consistently for national champs. And I think the other thing is Notre Dame lost Brian Kelly because it's their fault. Um, they never joined a conference. If, if you don't join a conference and, and you're not in the ACC or the SEC, I, I don't understand how you can recruit to the level that some of these other schools are going to recruit to. What are your thoughts on that, Trey? And them playing in the alliance with the ACC really hurt them this yeah. year because they played so many bad teams. I mean, mm -hmm. they didn't play Wake Forest. They didn't play Clemson. They didn't play UNC. I mean, it's just tough the fact that they didn't get to play those top-tier schools. And so you can't expect top recruits to want to go there and show off their skills when they're not playing that many primetime games versus good opponents. And and you can you can see the they play Clemson next year, and they play a couple of really good schools Um next year as well they play ohio state next year at the start mm -hmm. of the year so of course notre dame's starting to get up there with with who they're playing and 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 the type of teams that they're playing but now since they're losing brian kelly the answer has to be who, who's going to be the next head man for for notre dame who's going to be the one that's going to lead them into the future because brian kelly's got got them there to where they're 11 and 1 10 and 2 consistently in the college football discussion college football playoff discussion but who's going to take them over the top i got a couple of names here First, Luke Fickle for Cincinnati. I know there's been a lot of speculation about him not leaving Cincinnati or maybe going to Notre Dame. I heard that it's now Notre Dame's top guy. It's who they're trying to go after, Trey. And I, I think it's interesting because, you know, two weeks ago I would have been like, there's no way. Because when Luke Fickle was asked the question, would he leave? He said, absolutely not. He liked what they were building in Cincinnati. But we've seen twice this week two top-tier coaches say that and then leave their program. And the Notre Dame job wasn't open when he was asked that question. And so, I mean, it's not very far away. He's very familiar with the territory. The recruiting would mm -hmm. definitely it, it'd get even better for him. Um, and also, it's interesting because he's at Cincinnati where Brian Kelly was before Notre I Dame. Know, I know. And, and his old defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman, is at is at Notre Dame as well, so that could lure him back there too as well. Do you think? Do you think Marcus Freeman's going to stay as an defensive coordinator? Or do you think he'll only stay if they hire him as the head coach? I don't know. I don't know. He the, right now he's getting lured to LSU. Brian Kelly's trying to recruit him to LSU. He's trying to get the defensive coordinator uh, Marcus Freeman and his offensive coordinator Tommy Reese. Mm -hmm. 
I think that Marcus Freeman would be a great coach for Notre Dame just because of the aspect of him recruiting. He's been recruiting so well for Notre Dame. And also, I think he would stay if Luke Fickle came. If Luke Fickle came and they hired him and he stayed at defense coordinator with Luke Fickle, since he has a good relationship with him, I think he stays as well. But if they hire somebody else, I wouldn't know. Yeah, I don't know. You don't want to have to transition your scheme because if he has a new coach coming in, he's going to tell him to do things the way he wants it. But I mean, Marcus Freeman's been getting great recruits at defense. I mean, look at Kyle Hamilton, Jeremiah uh, Owusu-Koromoa from last year. I mean, they had some fantastic players. I mean, they're really at the top tier of talent at certain positions. Um, and so I definitely would snatch this guy up as a head coach, whether I'm Notre Dame or another team. I just think he's a really ascending uh, coordinator. I also think Matt, Matt Campbell for Iowa State did Every, you see the senior day? Yeah. Dude, he's he, a great guy. He was act him crying at senior day. For me, I'm going to give credit to Josh Pate. Josh Pate on the 24/7 Sports the late kick. He made this he made this assumption. Matt Campbell was acting like he doesn't have any more years. That's, at a, Iowa that's State. a good point. He was crying like this was his last time. And I honestly think it could be. There is jobs that are open that he could take. I was thinking he could have gone to Virginia Tech, but Virginia Tech is out now. They hired the defense coordinator for Penn State. There's other jobs open. I believe the Washington State job is still open. He could probably maybe take that. I don't know if he'll leave Iowa State for that. I do think that if Oklahoma pursued him, which I don't think they're pursuing him now, if they pursued him, I believe he would take that job. I think if Notre Dame pursues him, I think he would take the Notre Dame job as well. I think you have to take the Notre Dame job if it opens up. I mean, I know they're not in a conference yet. You know, maybe they'll have to change their mind after losing Brian Kelly and the recent playoff um, history. But I mean, that's that's a great job. I mean, it's a great opportunity. It's a storied program, um, and he's a good coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, Iowa State. He, look, he builds a. He's a culture builder. Brees he's Hall, culture. Brock Purdy. I mean, like they they have good recruits. I mean, they've had consistently good recruits for the last few years. Um, they've fallen short in their conference, which is sad to see, but they have the talent. Like they, They're on the right trajectory. The question is, is he going to stay with the program, or is he going to leave now? There, there are great opportunities as a head coach to go to programs that are ascending. I also think you have we have two other names here. P.J. Fleck. This is a name that has not been mentioned. We were talking about this before the podcast, right? P.J. Fleck, what I said, Matt Campbell and P.J. Fleck, those are both culture builder guys. They build a culture, and then they build up the program. Here, I think that there's no need for bringing in talent. The talent's already there at Notre Dame. P.J. Fleck, with his culture and how, how he gets the guys motivated and how he gets them to play, I think P.J. Fleck would be a great hire, a great hire for Notre Dame, especially the culture that he has and the talent that he would have. I think it would make a huge difference, and I think they would make a splash with P.J. Fleck at Notre Dame. I mean, I just like the culture he had at Minnesota. I mean, what was it, two years ago? They had a fantastic season right before COVID. I mean, they were good. I mean, mm-hmm. their bowl game, playing its elite SEC competition, they're really competing. I mean, they've had great recruits in there. Um, they've fallen off since the COVID year, but I mean, the Big Ten's competitive. Um, but I like his demeanor. He's an aggressive coach, but he's very professional. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a very professional coach. And I think Notre Dame's used to that. I mean, Brian Kelly's a very professional coach. He's established a culture. So I think if you get P.J. Fleck, you're not having to rebuild. It's more of a rebooting because he's going to pick up where Brian Kelly left off. Uh, but he's a little different, too, and yeah, the way he likes to run his offense. He's he's a little different in, how, in the personality, too. Brian Kelly's not, as, he's not that big of a personality. P.J. Fleck is a huge, huge personality. And I also think going at Notre Dame, I think he'd be able to recruit really, really well with the personality that he has and, and the the area and the prestige of Notre Dame, I think it would be a great recruiting spot and a great landing spot for him. One more name. This is a big one. Urban Meyer. There's been a lot of talk about Urban Meyer. Apparently he said that he's not going to go to Notre Dame. 
But look, Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, there, there's been a lot of people said, oh, no, no, I'm not going here. And of course, Lincoln Riley didn't go to LSU, but he went somewhere else when he was at a high, a really high paying job. Why not Urban Meyer? I know it's not. He maybe want to build up the Jacksonville Jaguars, but it's not really working out. There's there's a rumor that the coaching staff in Jacksonville is not decided completely on how they're going to help Trevor develop, and so they're divided because of that. And there are coaching changes coming after the season, and so I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, like I don't think it's Urban leaving, but I wouldn't be surprised if they got rid of Urban because you look at this offseason, the Tim Tebow controversy, uh, the controversy with drafting a running back in the first round, Urban Meyer with the sexual scandal. I mean, he's been bad in the pros. I mean, he's not made for NFL football, but he's a fantastic college coach. I mean, he sets up incredible cultures. He's the reason the Big Ten competes with the SEC now. Mm-hmm. When he came there, they had no chance. And so he took the, co- the culture from Florida to Ohio State. He very easily could elevate Notre Dame. I think it's a good opportunity for him. I think he fits with Notre Dame's culture because um, he professes to be religious and things like that. But, I mean, I think it's such a better opportunity for him, his style as a coach, than the Jaguars because I just don't think it's working, Zach. And it's a good program, too. Notre Dame's not a, a little—no I'm, I'm, knock on Cincinnati. But it's not like a Cincinnati. It's a it's it's not a Power 5, but they are technically a Power 5. They they are right up there as an—they are an elite program. Well, very, very good, I would say. They're a legendary program a le- with a lot of success recently. With a lot of success. And I think that would be a great landing spot for him. All right, let's move on. Let's go to Lincoln Riley. My goodness. Lincoln Riley is now the USC head coach, Southern Cal, not the other USC that claims that they're USC, South Carolina. <laughs> um, six years, $45 million. Trey, what are your thoughts on this? I already gave my thoughts on this, but what is you? What is yours? First of all, I'm surprised at that number because you think USC, the, the big name program, that number would be at least comparable to LSU, but LSU's offer was a little bit richer, which he turned down. Um, obviously, we've heard the rumors that Lincoln is trying to hide from the SEC. He doesn't want any of that smoke. Oh, he is. But but think about this. I mean, he's going to the Pac-12 where there's one big contender. Utah's pretty good. They have a couple other good teams that have to play. But I mean, he's going to a premier um, organization of a premier college, a really good culture that has been bad for the last few years. I mean, they want something good. And, and it's, this. it's Southern California, too. In, in L.A., you have to have superstars on your team in order to be relevant. And they're the only team in, in SoCal that isn't relevant. I mean, even UCLA has Brian Kelly, at least. Or, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, not, not Chip Brian Kelly. Chip sorry, Kelly. Sorry, sorry. We've been yeah. on Brian Kelly a lot today. <laughs> I apologize. Um, but, no, Chip Kelly's there. I mean, at least they have a name to sell tickets. Um, but I think, obviously, he sees, you know, play smarter, not harder. Why would I go to the SEC or stay and then transition to the SEC where I'm going to have to play four or five powerhouses a year in order to just make it to the playoff where I haven't had success already? Or I can go to the Pac-12 and I can have a really easy schedule. I can play one good team a year. Oregon. I can have I can have great recruits. And Oregon's been imploding on themselves for the last three yeah, seasons. True. And so go there, get there easily, and have a much easier path to the playoff. And then hopefully, you know, because you're a higher seed because you've won so many games, you have an easier matchup in the first round. I think Lincoln's thinking smarter, not harder. I also think he realized he peaked at Oklahoma. And yep. I think Brian Kelly realized the same It's the same, same thing. with Notre Dame, yep. Absolutely. They realize that these programs, those are great programs. Those are historic programs. But at best, that's what those programs are going to be, what they've been in the last five, six years. But he knows USC at its best, what it could be, the kind of recruits they could have. Because you look at the players that have come from there recently. They're so talented. And he already has talent there. You know, Malachi Nelson's already said he's flipping from Oklahoma to USC. I expect a lot more players like that. I expect players from other Power 5 schools to flip to USC now. Because if you're an offensive player, you know you Lincoln Riley. You want to go to Lincoln Riley. Exactly. And he, so, who's going to get you to the pros? 
unlike Spencer Rattler. I'm just disappointed at Lincoln Riley at his age, that what he was building in Oklahoma, that he left after implying that he wasn't going to leave. And I know yeah. that he said he wasn't going to LSU, but he literally decisively said he wasn't going anywhere, and then the next day got on a plane and went to SoCal. So, yeah. yep. I think I think the other thing is the good point you made. There's only a few programs in the nation that can get up to that elite status. That they're Oklahoma, I'm sorry, you're not that job. Notre Dame, you're not that job. Ohio State, you're that job. Michigan, you're that job. Finally. <laughs> ACC, ACC, Clemson, you're that job. Miami, yes, Miami, I'm saying it. You're that job. You're in the state, you're in the state of Florida where all the, the great recruits are. You are the University of Miami. You're in one of the best cities in the United States. You should get recruits galore to come to University of Miami, especially the prestige of that university. Florida State, another one of those ACC, that should be good. Absolutely. They, they should always be good. They should always be up there for the recruiting classes. They should always be up there as an elite program. SEC, Georgia, Alabama, some, I would even say Tennessee if they get the right guy behind the helm because Tennessee, the prestige of the university and they can recruit. They should be able to recruit because it is Tennessee. Now I understand they've had some down years. And I don't know if they're getting... I think they're slowly getting away from that elite tier. Which I, I think you would agree with that, Trey. I'm saying the longer you go without winning, the harder it is. Because you've yep. you got to think, 30 years ago, Nebraska was that school. Yeah, and I don't think Nebraska is that anymore. They're not because they lost it. I mean, your championship window is short, but your program's window is long. I mean, you look at what these great coaches go and set up. Um, and I mean, even coaches like Mike Gundy, and we're going to talk about him later, he hasn't won national championships, but he set up a program. He mm -hmm. set up a standard. And Nebraska hasn't had that. Because when you're chasing that continually by changing coaches, like what Miami and Florida State are doing, you begin to lose what you've had. Yep. That's continuity. I, I think Florida's starting to get on that, too. Florida's starting to get on that train. That's They've had three different head coaches, now four, in the last decade. That's dangerous. And Dan Mullen wasn't that kind of coach until this year. Like, it, it was just, I couldn't imagine him falling down. If, if two years ago you would have told me this was going to happen this year, I wouldn't have believed you. No. I mean, Florida was, here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to put Florida also with that elite tier. Florida is an elite job. And, and they should be good. And people are going to be like, well, Florida hasn't, they've had a down year. Well, they've had a down year, but they're always there 10 and 3, 11 and 2, 10 and 2, 11 and 2. They're always there. They won the division last year. So Florida's had a couple, they've had down years. But they haven't broken that ceiling toward, I would say they're Michigan for the last five years. They haven't broken that yet. They haven't got past Georgia. They played Michigan twice in bowl games. I mean, they literally have been Michigan of the SEC. I mm -hmm. mean, they've been the same tier. And you look at what happened to Michigan. I mean, they just stuck to the program. They stayed faithful. And so I don't think Dan Mullen's the guy to do that with. But finding your guy and committing to him and his style. Because Aiden Hutchinson, I mean, look at the recruits on Michigan. They just bullied Ohio State. Mm -hmm. And so there's they a have talent. They have the talent. There's a powerful thing in getting behind a coach and a program and allowing him to build his culture. Because we see places like when Dabo got to Clemson, they were winning. But I mean, they weren't what they are now or what they were last year and so the fact that you are faithful to a coach you're committed to that um and i think you know with brian kelly 10 years i mean you look at lincoln riley six years i mean they're giving these coaches those opportunities and i'd be really interested to see which coaches get that opportunity at oklahoma i think there's there's another thing is i mentioned those schools in the sec the big 12 i don't know if they have that school texas was that school but i think texas is starting to drop off I don't know if there's i don't know if there's an elite school in the big 12 and, and texas looked better as a job 
last year than it actually was because mm-hmm. you got to think Samuel Langer, all their seniors left. They had a lot of people leave when they lost their coach. And Sarkeesian comes in, people expecting great things from him, but he had a totally different team. Yep. Uh, and, and I mean, I'm surprised they haven't finished like they have, but I didn't think they were going to be an elite school. No. I didn't think they were going to have any kind of contention. And they didn't either, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think they're getting ready for that transition to the SEC. I'm excited to see what the Big 12 looks like in two or three years. Yep. Uh, with with the Cincinnati and Houston and BYU coming in? I think it's very good for Cincinnati's program. I think it's very good for Houston's program. Mm-hmm. I mean, because they're already at a good level. I mean, they're the best you can get for teams that are outside of the Power Five. Yep. Um, I think it'll be good for college football that they're coming in. Uh, I'm excited to see how Oklahoma and Texas adapt to the SEC. Yep. And, and who do you think Oklahoma's next coach is going to be, Zach? I mean, that's, uh, that's a big question. Brent Venables, man. Brent Ooh. Venables or Matt Campbell. Those are the two guys that I want. Those are the Brent Venables, of course. We were talking about it, Trey. You mm-hmm. mentioned the horns down thing with his son. I, I, I sent it to Zach the other day when I saw it. It made me laugh. I, I think that. I think that's a good. I think that's a good hire, especially when they're making the move to the SEC. Mm-hmm. If they stayed in the Big Twelve, I don't know if that's a great hire because the offenses are so elite in the Big Twelve. Going to the SEC is completely different. You have to have you have to have a defense to compete in the SEC, and I think Brent Vettables is the guy. He's a great great personality, great recruiter. He's a ex- extremely just a great coach in general at the defensive side of the ball. Little hesitant on offense, though. I don't know how he's on well, offense. Lately. My thing is, you can always be a defensive coach and get that offensive guy. Yep. But one thing Mike Gundy did this year that I've been wanting a Big Twelve coach to do for years is to establish a defensive system that oh, works yeah. and commit to that. And so he's finally built a system in the in the Big Twelve that can stop these offenses. I think you need to start doing that as Oklahoma, whoever they hire, transitioning to a more pro style defense, a defense that can stop the run in the pass consistently. Because when you go to the SEC and you don't have that, I mean, you look at the worst SEC teams. They still have decent defenses. Yep. I mean, Oklahoma has had some bad defenses over the years. And so they need to get to that level on defense. And their defense is pretty good this year. I mean, it's better than it has been. But they need to develop a culture of that. And Brent Venables is the best defensive coordinator in the country, if not top five. I mean, Mm -hmm. he is the guy. I would say him right now. And I would also say the defense coordinator for Georgia. Um, he's a young guy. I forget his name, but he's really young. He, he's also working with the most talented defensive roster we've seen in a long time. And then the third guy I would say is the, um, Defense coordinator for Oklahoma State. I forget his name, um, but right now there's speculation that he might be going to the Florida job for defense coordinator. And that, that, that 3-3-5 is just such a unique front. I mean, they have the perfect personnel for that right now mm-hmm. because they're playing with so many seniors. Um, and well, I don't think there's those have... super seniors that are on the team too as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't think you can have that everywhere. But at Florida, you have the talent to do that. And so, you know, we'll see what happens there. I'm excited. I would like to see Venables go to Oklahoma and see how Clemson adjusts because Clemson's coming up to a big offseason, man. Yes, you're 9-3, and three, man. That's that's It's huge offseason, especially if he leaves. You got to find another defensive coordinator. You got to go out and you got to get another elite guy. I think Dabo has capable. I think he'll get. And, and you got to change. You got to make a change at quarterback either by the play of DJ or you've got to get a new quarterback in there because Clemson's at a pivotal year. If you go two years in a row removed from that great success, it's very hard to get back mm-hmm. there. We don't see Alabama go two years removed. We see them miss the playoff every now and then. They were nine and three. They were nine and three, and they made they played Michigan in a bowl game, mm-hmm. in like the Outback Bowl. Yeah. The next year. 15 and 0, best offense we've ever seen. Well, that was the Mac Jones. Like, Mac Jones had never played before he came year. in. And he came in um, versus Auburn that year, through through the two pick sixes. It was such a brutal, because it weren't bad passes. Like, it was a brutal year. But you look at them, they stomped Michigan. And Michigan was pretty good that year. And so you see the great programs rebound. I want to see if Dabo has that, because Dabo gets compared to Nick Saban all the time. Mm-hmm. We got to see it, because you can't prove the toughness of metal unless you test it. And Clemson's getting tested this offseason. Mm-hmm. Also, let's go to the, the Billy Napier. Florida situation. Um, I gave my thoughts on the head coaching job. Um, 
there's been some speculation going on. I know Anthony Richardson. He's a freshman for Florida. He's a freshman Fantastic QB. quarterback. He, he's going to be really good. He posted on his Twitter, scared money don't make money. That is, that is Billy Napier's saying. Billy Napier, when he's at Louisiana, they interviewed him. He's like, scared money don't make money. Anthony Richardson is on board with that saying now. Players are backing up behind Billy Napier. Recruits are backing up behind Billy Napier. Right now, reports are coming out that he is working late night hours to get his team prepared for the Sunbelt Conference Championship because Louisiana is 11-1 and they play App State. And he's working late night hours calling recruits, calling guys on the team, telling them, getting getting his whole assistant, his, his staff figured out, working those late night hours while he's getting ready for a conference championship game. No, the, the I, guy's I, a machine. I'm I'm as a Florida fan, I'm absolutely hyped to hear that. Trust me, I'm, guys, Zach has been very hyped to hear this. <laughs> I, I am hyped. Billy Napier, he a lot of people don't don't know who Billy Napier is. I, I think I said this on the podcast last night. Billy Napier is the guy who recruited Cam Robinson, Jerry Judy, Calvin Ridley, Taj Boyd, Trevon Diggs. All those guys were his recruits that he recruited to Bama or Clemson. People are saying he hasn't recruited at Louisiana. Well, he can't recruit at Louisiana. And I would argue he's recruiting for what he has. They're eleven and one. They're, I mean, they're they're they have great. had the they have had the top recruiting class in the Sun Belt every single year that he's been here. He's been there. He can recruit, and program, he just needs the he just needs the facilities to do it. And, he, and program says so much about your recruiting because I mean you you can't it's, this isn't NCAA fourteen you can't go to Georgia State or you know App State or something like that and recruit like a Big Ten program no. or like an SEC program. And so the fact that he's shown them that he can change a program like that, you put him on the pedestal at Florida, man. He has such a great opportunity to turn it around. And these players, I mean, I was reading reports about how they were so done with Dan Mullen. The locker room gave up on the game plan. They gave up on the program. Yep. Now they have hope. I mean. Naturally, they're going to turn to this guy. But this guy has a track record of recruiting, man. Yeah. He's got great talent. Anthony Richardson has so much untapped potential, man. He has he's such a raw athlete. I'm so excited to see him as a full-time starter. And if they can commit to him and their scheme around him, I'm excited to see what Florida can do next year. I'm, I'm really, I'm also really pumped um, with the assistant staff, the, the staff that he's trying to bring in. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Scott Strickland, the AD, was super impressed. They turned down. Brian Kelly, reports came out that Brian Kelly's agents called Florida when the Florida job opened up and they said that Brian Kelly was interested in the job. You know what Florida said? They said, no thanks. We don't want him. And they went to they went to Louisiana and they got Billy Napier and that was their guy. Scott Strickland has done a great job. I know he hired Dan Mullen and people, that wasn't a great hire. But he also hired a bunch of other guys. He hired Mike White. He hired these guys. Mike White's now the the Florida coach mm-hmm, yeah. for basketball. Mike White's done a, a tremendous job. Florida athletics are at are at its peak right now. For other school other sports, football's a little bit down. If that if he knows how to recruit elite coaches for other sports, and he was able to bring Dan Mullen, who's ha, who had a who had a, a decent his decent his three year stretch at, was good. Like this yeah. past year is an anomaly. But. I will say that Billy Napier, if that's the guy, and that's the guy Scott Trickland trusts, that he turned down Brian Kelly for him, 
then there's something with this guy, and I'm really excited I, to see. And he's 42 years old. He'll be 43 in July. Oh, I mean, dude, you commit to a guy like that long-term, you can build a program. I mean, you look at what happened with Dabo. He came in young, energetic guy, good at recruiting, had good coordinators. They built a successful program. Florida's starting not from the same kind of place, but not a bad place. I mean, Florida's got opportunities. So I'm excited to see what he does. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to some previews let's do it the first one number three alabama versus number one georgia right now the spread is six and a half i mean i understand it's the top top three game number three alabama versus number one georgia i actually thought the spread would be higher i thought it would be up there 10 or 12 you can't can't do that to alabama yeah i know i know it's nick saban too uh georgia keys of the game let's let's jump right into it georgia's defense right now against ranked opponents is allowing 6.5 points per game uh they played Kentucky, Arkansas, Auburn, and Clemson, and they allowed six point five points per game. I mean that, that that's, that's ridiculous. That's impressive. I mean that's that's insane. That's that's ridiculous. The rush defense is allowing seventy eight yards per game. Passing is one hundred and fifty one yards per game. They're allowing under 250, 250 yards per game. Those are ridiculous numbers. I mean, like this is this is comparable to what LSU did on offense a few years ago. I mean, like mm-hmm. this we've never seen stuff like this, and yep. this is the age of offense. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just phenomenal. And, and they're holding they're holding these lead offenses. Well, okay, not elite offenses, but offenses that can score points to those kind of numbers. Georgia, the, the key in their schedule is they've been playing teams that win on offense based on physicality in the run game and in the, the quarterback uh, play. And they played Clemson and all these SEC schools that are built on physicality. No one is going to out physical Georgia this year. Mm-hmm. They have the team. They're those guys. And this is what this is what worries me with this this preview. Offensively, it's not a good matchup for Bama. Not after what we saw versus Bama Arkansas. struggles to run the ball so much. They 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 were out physicaled by Arkansas. They were out physicaled by Auburn. If you watch that game, they beat up Auburn. Florida beat up on them on the line of scrimmage when Florida played them. They did. It it's a it's a common theme. Texas A and M beat up on them. I think they had like five sacks. Mm-hmm. Well, so you saw Auburn's defense this past week get after Bryce Young. It was unbelievable the pass yeah. rush they got. And and if if you're telling me that those pass rushes are getting after him. <laughs> You really wanna you really wanna bring up how Georgia's pass rush is? They can rush four, three or four, and they can get to the quarterback in a matter of seconds. They, just because of who they have. They have backup rushers that would be starting at Auburn. Yeah. I they, mean they're phenomenal. I mean they have Jordan Davis up in the front. He already covers like five gaps. So I, I, I really I really worry. I really worry with this Alabama offense and struggling to run the ball. And that's gonna put more on Bryce Young's shoulders. And I don't know if he can handle that. The problem with them is the fact that their entire offense is based on Bryce Young being able to carry the team. And you look at their entire schedule. It's been like that every week. Whether they've won or lost, it's been on Bryce Young. Um, It's a scary thing to have no run game, but that's how they play this year. I mean, that's just how they're built. They don't have an elite running back this year. But if there's any quarterback in the country you want to carry your team, who else would you have besides Bryce Young? The guy can do it. I mean, he's a good – I mean, he's a fantastic quarterback. I remember when I watched Miami and Alabama play – I didn't think Alabama would come close to losing a game this year. I, I remember scoffing at someone saying after week one that Georgia could contend with them. Um, obviously, I've seen throughout the season the progression of that. But Bryce Young is fantastic. Make no mistake, last week was probably one of his worst games as a starter. What did he do at the end of the game? And he still was able to come back. What did he do? So mature. I mean, he's a sophomore. I mean, it's phenomenal. He's younger than us, Zach. And he can, he can stay there after playing a terrible game, come back, collect himself, and play well. They have extra time to prepare for this. I, I think one of the reasons they've been so lethargic recently, they're probably already preparing for this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm excited for the matchup. <sighs> I'm unsure about Stetson Bennett, man. You remember what happened yeah. last year? 
Yep. That's that's one of the points here on, on the paper that we have. Stetson, okay. Hot take. Stetson Bennett, with this defense, they're an elite team. They are the best team in the nation. Do I think they can win a national championship with Stetson Bennett? I will hold by it until I see it. No. Wow. I do not think that they can win the national championship with Stetson Bennett. I really, I, I'm sorry. He's not, okay. He looks like a great QB, but he's not. I'm sorry, he's not. If you watch, if you go back and you watch the Florida game, the reads that he was making when Florida was actually playing good defense, he struggled. He really struggled. When he plays an elite defense like he did last year, he struggled against teams. He really has not played that elite uh, that elite of a defense. He does not have the arm talent that JT Daniels has. He doesn't have the potential. Like his his floor is not that bad, but the mailman is a game manager. Mm-hmm. That's what he is. His his arm, I mean, can't make the throws that JT Daniels can throw. He's not tall. He, he's a little fast, but I mean, not versus Alabama. But you look at what they had. They had a decisive 24 to 20 lead, Alabama going into half. I mean, they looked really, really good. Nick Saban had 15 minutes in a locker room, shuts that's a minute out. I mean, and Alabama's defense was not incredibly talented last year. I mean, for Al- for the nation, yes, but for Alabama, it's not like it's a historic year. And they shut the man down. There's a reason last year all the fans were clamoring for JT Daniels to be put in. There's a reason this year that all the fans still cringe when Stetson Bennett makes certain throws because they know that if he goes in there and makes a bad play or two, he can undo all the defense's good work. Mm-hmm. It's the most important position. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I, I will stand by... I have to see it to believe it. Mm-hmm. I have to see it to believe it. I don't think a 5'11". Look, Alabama, I don't know if their offense... Will Anderson will pose a problem. That's about it. I don't know if he, Alabama's defense... He was made defense, in the lab. Man. Yeah, I don't know if any other person for Alabama defense will pose a problem unless they show up and show out. I do think if they get to the college football playoff, there's this team down in, 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 in Bedlam. That's what I was about to say. By the name of Oklahoma State. And I think they are the perfect matchup for Georgia. Their defense is perfect to go up against Stetson Bennett and, and this Georgia offense. They can hold this Georgia offense to 10 or 17 points. Well, they can do that if, theoretically, they can stop the run. That That's mm-hmm. the problem. And so we saw this defense shut down Caleb Williams. And I know Caleb Williams has been inconsistent. He is a freshman. But for a half, man, they yep. made him look bad. They shut, they shut him out in the second half. He's one of the most talented players in the nation. I mean, he couldn't pass the ball. I mean, they rushed three, covered eight, and no one got open. Yep. I mean, Oklahoma has equivalent passing weapons because George Pickens is back now, right? I mean, George isn't George Pickens? For Georgia, yeah, I think he's back. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That that helps be able to take – but you can't take the top off of a defense that's dropping eight. No. I mean, and they don't – George Pickens still isn't that that dude. To, to run mm. past the defense, he can make those contested catches. And I think Oklahoma has some of those dudes. Denzel Mims – is able he's able to create separation and they their their receivers could not create separation at all in these those corners for Oklahoma State. Georgia's offensive line though, I think it's going to be really hard for Oklahoma State to stop the run because the defense they play is a lighter defense because they don't play heavy run games in the Big 12. Um, I'll be excited to see how they do against Baylor because Baylor can can give some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, don't want to get ahead of myself. I think Oklahoma State has a really good chance to win this weekend versus Baylor. They'd be a good matchup. I, they're a nightmare for Stetson Bennett though. Mm-hmm. If Stetson Bennett's got third and 10, you're telling me they're not loving that with their great pass rush of only three, great coverage. I mean, but you know, we don't get ahead of ourselves. Georgia has a really hard matchup. You know, this is a scary thing. People are underestimating Nick Saban. Yes, I know. It, it Remember, guys, he's the GOAT. Nick Saban is the GOAT of college football. 
And and for us to say, I, I know I got ahead of myself. I said 10 or 12 point spread. That's just because of what based off Georges does, did, or has done. Do I think that it's going to be like that? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I don't think that it's, it's I think it's going to be a close contested game. And one of the other points here I have, has Georgia's defense faced somebody like Jamison Williams yet this year? No. Nope. Have they faced a quarterback like this? I mean, this, this, is, this is the guy. Nope. I mean, this is, I mean, he's phenomenal. The, the thing is, the Arkansas game, the LSU game, and the Auburn game all felt like losses when I watched them. I mean, they, they felt bad. And I think those defenses gave Georgia a good blueprint of what to do. But, I mean, this is the GOAT. I mean, he's the best coach. He's always outcoached he Kirby. He will have a, a game plan set up to beat Georgia. Dude, there's been three times I've watched Georgia play Alabama. Georgia was up, uh, you know, national championship, SEC championship, and then last year. Georgia looked good. You have to play for four quarters. Yep. That's something they haven't had to do all year. Mm-hmm. Clemson's the only game they had to play for four quarters, and Clemson does not have an offense. At that point in the season, Clemson had the most anemic offense like of anyone they oh, would have faced. Oh, it was bad. DJ can't make those reads. I mean, late can't passes. Can't make the throws. And, and you're not going to get that from Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bryce Young isn't going to miss many passes. Bryce Young, though, will have less numbers under pressure. And, and he's, he, calm, he's calm and composed, too. Bryce Young is really calm and composed when he's in the pocket, unless he's getting pressured. Sometimes when he gets pressured, he gets a little sporadic. My thing is, he is the kind of quarterback, he never looks to run first. It's always pass first, Mm -hmm. and that's really rare for a young quarterback, but it can be bad when the pass rush is coming in, to think, oh, let me hold onto the ball and make a play, um, because that's dangerous, first of all. N'Kobe Dean will get after you. Nolan Smith will get after you. Those guys can run 4-4s. N'Kobe Dean does run a 4-4, and I mean, that guy is a special player, and so Mm -hmm. I'm excited. I mean, he reminds me of Roquan Smith, man. He's exciting. Mm -hmm. And so, if I had to pick a person, I I think Georgia is probably going to win. Um, just based on what I've seen, I mean, they have a, a, a real defense. They have as many five stars on their defense as the entire Pac-12 conference has on defense. <laughs> I mean, that's phenomenal. Yep. You know, but I, I would not count out Alabama. I think it'll be a one-possession game. Uh, if, Alabama, you, if you had a score right now, who? Would, what would you have? Because my, as you see on my paper, I have Georgia twenty-eight, Alabama seventeen. I would say Georgia twenty-four. Alabama 17. I just, I don't think if Alabama becomes one-dimensional, they're going to be able to score that well. Yep. They can they can expose a little bit of Georgia secondary, but Georgia has a great secondary and a really complimentary pass rush. Mm-hmm. Their linebackers cover well. That's going to really hurt Alabama, who likes to pass to the tight end. They, they like to throw the running back to short stuff, and they're going to take that away. And so, um, you know, I, I'm excited to watch this. This is the game I want to watch this weekend. Everyone mm-hmm. want to watch this game. Um, but I think this is the year Georgia finally does it. Kirby Smart is going to prove Nick Saban is not invincible. Mm. That's I, I like that. I like that. Nick Saban is not invincible. Well, well, actually, we we saw that with Texas A&M as well. Jimbo Fisher. This is the first time though. Like that's the first yeah. time someone's ever done yeah, it. That's true. why I was in such shock. All right, let's get to the college football playoff scenarios here. All right, we have a couple other games to preview. I'm going to get to them, but I want I want to get to some college football scenarios. Me, me and Zach may disagree here, so this, this should be good. So Alabama, Alabama. Let's look at Alabama's resume. They have four. They have four top 25 wins. Four, number four team, Miami, they killed. Now, albeit, Miami has not looked good this year at all. Miami makes that a much worse win now. Yep. It looked a lot better in the preseason. But it still, it still counts as a top 25 win because of when it was. It was earlier in the year, so they thought Miami was good. So that counts as a top 25 win. Florida, that looked like a really, really great win. At Gainesville, against a top, it looked like a top 10 team. Doesn't look that great now. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss... They killed Ole Miss, and Ole Miss actually looks really good. 
that number they're eight right now. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, they're, and their defense isn't bad. It's mm-hmm. not a historic Ole Miss team, so that is a good win for Alabama. And then the Arkansas one, I think that's a good win as well. I don't think Arkansas is that bad. I think Arkansas is a, a good team. Arkansas is good, but I think the thing we saw with LSU, Auburn, Arkansas, and especially Florida is in between the guards running the ball at the teeth of the Alabama defense mm-hmm. and having success. Florida kept running traps back and forth versus Alabama, and they couldn't stop it. Nope. I mean, they were running traps on second and long, third and long, getting first downs. And, and Georgia does that better than any other team in the nation. Mm-hmm. They have three great backs. They have really, really good guards, a really good center. I mean, they can pull. And so I think Alabama's really going to have to step it up. That That's what scares me is the physicality in the middle on defense and offense for them. Yeah, and, and I think that got exposed when they played Texas A&M because Texas A&M, they did what they want. And, and that's their, their only loss, 41-38 at Texas A&M. It was a night game, I understand. It's tough to play in Kyle Field. But I was an unranked Texas A&M team at the time. And that's, that's, that's inexcusable for Bama to lose an un- unranked team because that does not happen with Nick Saban. It does not. And, and Texas A&M has one really elite defensive tackle. He's probably going to be a first-round pick this year in the draft. <laughs> and I would say, you know, you're not going to face that every week. But you're going to face two or three of those guys this week versus Georgia. Yep. Jordan Davis is one of the best run stoppers I've ever seen in my life. He's a mountain. And so, and he's very agile, too. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's really good when you're trying to run. It's some Swedish fish that he eats. It's a Swedish <laughs> I, fish. I guess so. I need to start eating some of those. <laughs> Next one, we got to go to Cincinnati's resume. Okay, this is where some disagreement may happen. I am big on Cincinnati this year, guys. I, you, everybody knows that I'm, I'm, I'm big on Cincinnati. All right, I, I was a believer that they should be in the top four until I really started looking into their schedule. <sighs> their two top wins: Notre Dame, which is a good win, and Indiana. Indiana does not look good this year. SMU is another good win, but I don't know if SMU is that good. And UCF, and UCF is not that good. They're eight and four. They don't have any losses, and they had a couple of struggle wins in the struggle bus, 27-20 at Navy, 28-20 at Tulsa, where they sh- versus Tulsa, where they should have lost. They should have lost that game. They, they deserved they, to lose they, that game. They were up They were up by eight, though. Yes. It's, it's, it's not like— it, But the way they were playing, they deserved I, to I lose. I watched the game because Cincinnati's been a team I've been— Last year, I got put in quarantine during the week of the bowl games. I had to watch Cincinnati, Georgia in my room all by myself. <laughs> After watching that game, I became a Desmond Ritter believer. I became a Cincinnati believer. Luke Fickle became I, I'm my a, guy. I'm a Cincinnati believer, too. I think they would perform well in the college football playoff. But, but I'm looking at these resumes, and look at look at Alabama's, look at Cincinnati's. Who do you think is going to perform better? Uh, well, obviously, I think Alabama would also be 12-0 if they were playing this schedule. But you got to look at Cincinnati. They have a legit defense. Last year versus yeah. Georgia in the college football playoff, very similar teams. Oh, 100% their played. defense is legit. And so I watched the ECU's game. I watched all their games this season. I watched the ECU game the other day. Fantastic game on defense. Their defense was lights out. Their offense struggled. They were sloppy. It was a night game. They were away. I mean, ECU, it was their senior night. That was a big atmosphere. Desmond Ritter uh, trying to run the score up at the end through a couple picks that were bad. Uh, they were trying to throw the ball on the goal line. If they would have just run it, they could have been up by 20 well, more. But their defense showed me. I mean, they did not let ECU breathe. The sacks, the picks, I mean, they were forcing them. It's not like, and Sauce Gardner was hurt. Sauce Gardner's playing with a bad back. Yeah, he's probably the best corner in the nation. You look at their boundary corners, their pass rushers, and their cover linebackers, and they have such a hard-hitting safety duo. I mean, overall, their defense is good. I think their defense compares to the other playoff teams. Their offense has the talent to. Desmond Ritter is— When Cincinnati's offense is on, they're good. You look at the SMU game. They, they had been playing struggling games. 
SMU, their big game. Everyone's been saying all season, if they can beat SMU, that, that's a win they need. SMU let them down by losing before the matchup. Uh, SMU has a good offense. You start that game, SMU gets nothing on offense. Um, Cincinnati next play scores a, like a 60-yard touchdown. Desmurder is that guy. Desmurder is going to be a first or second round draft pick. Um, you look at their big receiver, number 12. I mean, he's just a boundary guy. Jerome Ford is a powerful guy. Their line's pretty good, but I think their defense makes them a contender, and I think it makes them a good playoff matchup for any team. It gives them a chance. I don't think that they have no chance to win a playoff yeah. game. And they, they play Houston, and we're, we're going to get into that game and the preview of that. Makes me nervous. <laughs> I, have some, I have some things about Houston that I, I, you might want to hear. Um, Notre Dame, let's go to that. That's another resume. Now they don't have Brian Kelly. If chaos happens... If chaos happens, we're going to talk about the chaos. If that happens, who's going to coach for Notre Dame if they make the playoff? Who's their interim head coach? Is it Marcus That's Freeman? What I was about to ask is it you. Tommy Reese? I, I I don't I don't know who it is. Now let's look at their let's look at their resume. They beat Purdue, which looks like a really good win. They beat number eighteen Wisconsin, which looks like a decent win now. And they beat they beat Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech. And trust me. That is not an easy state, easy stadium to play in. Ask Ohio State. Yep. So that that is a, an impressive win. They have that loss at Cincinnati, at home, twenty four thirteen. Can you read that score again? Twenty four thirteen. Cincinnati's yep. defense was lights yes. out in that game, and Desmond I, Ritter came to play as well. I keep dropping my pen, man. Also, they have struggle wins. FSU. Overtime. That's not a good. That, that's not that a good. Looked win. like such a good game at the beginning of the season, but FSU yeah. has showed us they are not. They have talent, but no, they, they are lost, not a disciplined team. They lost team. to Jacksonville State. Oh, oh man! And then they they almost lost Toledo at home. That would have been terrible as well. See, I'd argue that that's worse than any of the struggle wins Cincinnati has. Yeah, that's true. It is. I would say. Oh, my Navy. I don't know. Navy was pretty bad. But but the triple option's hard to stop. Yeah, that's true. Any team struggles versus triple option because you don't see it in big programs. Mm-hmm. But but anyway. And and that's that's Notre Dame's resume. Eleven and one. Uh we're gonna talk after we get done with Oklahoma State's resume, we're gonna talk about these four teams and we're gonna talk about scenarios that could get them in the playoff and what could take them out of the playoff. Let's go to Oklahoma State. Do, one last thing. Do you think the committee will fault them for losing Brian Kelly? Do you think that'll go into the, the finding? If since if Cincinnati loses. I, I honestly think so. I really do think that could happen. It would. It would if I was on the committee. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Oklahoma State, um, eleven and one, wins against number twenty five Kansas, uh, number twenty five Kansas State. I think or twenty four. I actually forgot to put the ranking there, but they were ranked thirty one to twenty. They beat number twenty one Baylor twenty four fourteen. They beat Texas at Texas when Texas was ranked thirty two to twenty four, and then they beat number ten OU in Bedlam thirty seven thirty three. Their only loss is to Iowa State. I don't think that's a bad loss. At Iowa State, I think this Iowa State team does have the talent and they can compete with the bigger schools. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't count that as a bad loss. I think that's a mediocre loss. They have struggle wins, though, against Missouri State, 23-16, and 28-23 against Tulsa. That was more of a struggle win than Cincinnati, just want to add. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think this was at the start of the year, too, and I think Oklahoma State has improved a lot more than they were at the start of the year. That's something you have to take into consideration how teams are playing now. Oh, absolutely. And I think the game uh, that, that makes me really hopeful for Oklahoma State and really scared about Oklahoma State is the Baylor game earlier this year mm-hmm. because I remember watching that game Spencer Sanders played horrible oh man I mean he we're played gonna go into it he had three interceptions he played terrible but they did not let Baylor do anything it was nope. a career not career low but um for this season the low in yardage for Baylor by a, a sizable amount and Baylor's a good team Baylor is a physical the most physical team in the Big 12 and so for them to do that it gives you hope 
versus Georgia. But also, if Spencer Sanders does that versus Georgia, they're not going to be able to hold no, Georgia to 14 points not. with three picks. So. Abs- absolutely not. Now, let's talk scenarios here. I'll just go to a, a big scenario. What happens if Alabama beats Georgia? And Cincinnati wins. Let's say everybody wins except Alabama beats Georgia. How how are we, is Oklahoma State? Uh, Oklahoma State still wins too. Oklahoma State wins too. And Notre Dame Notre Dame will be out. There's no way Notre Dame get in at this point. It'll be down to five. Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State. Alabama's gonna get in. They'll be the one seed probably. Or Michigan, one of those. Ah. Uh- it depends on how they beat Georgia. Yeah. Alabama, be, Alabama, Georgia, or Michigan, they'll be one of those. Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, they'll be in. 100%. It's the thing about Michigan, about Oklahoma State and Cincinnati. Who would I take? If, 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 if Oklahoma State barely wins versus Baylor and Cincinnati goes out there and wins by 20 or 30 versus Houston, I think just because of the fan reaction, there's a big mm-hmm. chance of that. Um. I don't know, though. I mean, like, Oklahoma State, back-to-back top 10 wins. I know. That's why I, I would put, I personally would put Oklahoma State over Cincinnati. I think that is a scenario where Cincinnati gets left out. The only scenario that they get left out. I think you have angry people either way. My thing is what I'd be interested in, would the committee leave Bama 2, Georgia 3 if it's a close game and let them play again? Or would they shy away from that? Because there no. have been there have been years I think the ranking was skewed just because they didn't want Clemson George or Clemson Alabama in the championship every game. And so I think if Michigan has a big, I think Michigan's going to beat Iowa. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be a bad game. I think Michigan would be number one just based off the the way they wrote out the season. And, and they shouldn't have lost to Michigan State. I mean, we forget about no, that. No. They choked. They 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 outgained them by 150 yards. Man, that pick at the end of the game was awful, but a great play by the corner. Yep. So. Um, uh, man, if I had to bet money, I would say Oklahoma State, if they finish well, would get in. Um, I think the people want Cincinnati, and I, I want Cincinnati to make it. I think Cincinnati's capable of making it. They can't do any more. If they win, that will have been, let me do my math, 21 straight wins mm-hmm. versus, besides the Georgia game. Georgia beat them with four seconds left on a 54-yard field goal, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cincinnati, they'd be very upset if they did this. I think they deserve a shot at the playoff. And I think it's good for college football to show that even smaller programs have a chance if they can put in the work. Mm-hmm. That's true. I I don't think that the Alabama loss will happen, though. So I think that's 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 a that's a chaos I think if it, that happens. I think it's possible. Like, it's very possible. Yeah, it's, possible. it's just not likely is what no, we're no. thinking. Yeah. And And here, let's flip this around. If Georgia wins, which I think they will. What happens if it's close? What if Alabama loses by a field goal? Does Alabama sneak in somehow, or is that not, not going to happen? I think that Alabama as a two-losser won't get in. Do I think they're probably a top-four team in the nation? Maybe. If, if chaos happens, I think the two-loss Alabama could get in. Oh, if, if, um, if Michigan loses, if Oklahoma State loses, if Cincinnati loses, Alabama's automatically in. Yeah. I, I'm under the assumption all three of those teams are going to win. Yep. Um, I, I think Mike Gundy's just such a veteran coach. I think Luke Fickle is the guy. Um, I, I think they're going to be prepared. Um, I don't think Michigan's going to choke this opportunity. Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh has a chance at a national championship. He is not going to lay it down. You know, no. he is definitely going to try his best. I think. I think the only way a two-loss Alabama gets in is if chaos happens. I, I don't. I think there would be outrage if they made it over a one-loss Oklahoma State or an undefeated oh, yeah. Cincinnati. I don't. I definitely don't think that they would get over a one-loss. I, I don't think State. they could. Especially a Big Twelve champ. It's about the taste in your mouth. 
And so I don't know if you remember the first year when TCU was the four seed and Ohio State, everyone's like, okay, they, they don't have a chance. And then they won three decisive games in a row. People are like, okay, they're definitely a top four team. Like they left a good taste in their mouth. I think Oklahoma State's going to do that. I think Cincinnati hopefully will do that in a big game versus Houston, but we'll talk about that more later. Um, and hopefully Michigan can finish out because I think they outmatch Iowa in the way they match up. All right, now let's talk about this scenario. Alabama loses by a lot to Georgia, more than two touchdowns. Oklahoma State wins. Michigan wins. Cincinnati loses. Does Notre Dame jump Cincinnati? We talked about this on the podcast yesterday. The committee already proved that the head-to-head matters when they put Oregon over Ohio State. Mm Mm-hmm. And Oregon had a loss to Stanford. A bad loss, an ugly loss. And Oregon beat Ohio State out of Ohio State. It's the same scenario. Cincinnati would have one loss, but it would be to Houston, which is not as bad of a loss. And Notre Dame's only loss would be to Cincinnati at Notre Dame. The same scenario. It it matters how they lose, though. Like If they get blown out by Houston, I I still think they might put Notre Dame over them just because of what Notre Dame is. Um, but I think if it's a close loss or, or you know, a, a loss like where if they played 10 times, you see Cincinnati's still going to win. Um, I'd be very surprised if they put Notre Dame in. Notre Dame has let them down twice now. I mean, Notre Dame's made the committee look really dumb mm-hmm. for let, getting them put in the playoff. I, I think they're going to try to hold back on that mm-hmm. because watching a team get p- pummeled in the playoff is bad for college football, um, especially when Notre Dame isn't like – it's a popular team. And it's, a, it's, a, it's a historic team, but most people around the nation aren't Notre Dame fans. So. I think I think the only the scenario that gets a Notre Dame in the in the playoff 100% is if Oklahoma State loses. If Oklahoma State loses to Baylor, I don't think there's going to be a question. It'll be unless Alabama wins. Because if Alabama wins, then Notre Dame's completely out. Oh, yeah. But if Alabama loses, I think it's a very good possibility. Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, Notre Dame. I think that could be a very good possibility. Mm-hmm. If Oklahoma State wins, I don't think there's any chance of Notre Dame getting in because of Oklahoma State and the wins they would have. Um, let's move on. We were talking about Oklahoma State. Let's move on to some more previews. Number eight, Baylor versus number seven, Oklahoma State. Five and a half right now for Oklahoma State. First time they played, 24-14 like we talked about. Keys to the game. Baylor, they need a miracle to get in the playoff, obviously. Chaos really needs to happen. Um, but they do have an elite rushing attack, and they could... They could end Oklahoma's chance, Oklahoma State's chances of getting into the college football playoff. Their first game, though, 107 yards on the ground for Baylor. They averaged 227. They were also held for 3 for 15 on third down. That's horrendous. And that Oklahoma State defense did that. They stifled Baylor just like they stifled Oklahoma in the second half. And, and Oklahoma State's got to be thinking past this game just a little bit. I mean, yep. every coach does. Um, and you have to show physicality up front. They did that versus Baylor earlier this year. If they can do that, like if they can show they can stop the run decisively versus Baylor, a running team, it it just gives them good momentum going in. Um, I think they're going to be ready. I think actually that Oklahoma State's offense is going to come into this game a lot better than we're thinking because their offense is good. No no one thinks it's great. But Mike Gundy is a fantastic offensive coach. Mm -hmm. Historically, I mean, he's the the shooting kind of coach. I mean, you know, Pistol Pete's going to be firing. I think Oklahoma State scores a good bit of points here. Spencer Spencer Sanders, I don't think he's going to throw three interceptions either. Um, the thing is, is that I mentioned here, they threw three interceptions. They still won by 10. I, I'm The defense showed up so much that those three interceptions, as we look, those three interceptions, they led to three punts for Baylor. Three. So, so Baylor wasn't able to capitalize at all. So my question is, is can Baylor force the turnovers again and capitalize this time? Because if they can force Oklahoma State into the turnovers, I think they have a good shot of winning. 
as long as they capitalize on the turnovers. And I, I just got the college football rankings according to Brent McMurphy. Oh, man. And Oklahoma State is listed at number five over Notre Dame. Yep, I knew it. I knew it. I was talking with my I was talking with my family yesterday. I was talking to my dad. My a lot of my family is Notre Dame fans. And I said, if Oklahoma State wins against Oklahoma, then Oklahoma State will jump Notre Dame. They're like, no, 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 that's not gonna happen. I was like, yes, it will. And guess what? Rankings just went out. Oklahoma State at five. Who's four? Uh, Cincinnati's four, Bama three, Michigan two, and Georgia stays on top. Yep, and then Notre Dame at six, and then everybody else, because I don't think anybody else. Where's oh, Houston? Oh, Ohio State seven, Ole Miss eight, Baylor nine, Houston is 21 now. Clemson jumped to 20. Where's so, Iowa? Iowa, they are 13, so still a big game for Michigan. Yep. Oh, man. What's the other rankings going through? Uh, we got Oklahoma drops to 14, Pitt rises to 15, Wake Forest at 16 now, Utah's at 17. Um, NC State's at 18, San Diego State 19, Louisiana, Billy Napier yep, 24. So, and Texas A&M's in 25, which makes, that makes Alabama's loss look a little bit worse. You know, you think that they might be trying to sneak Texas A&M in there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of SEC teams in here, no surprise. Um, surprise, Ohio State dropped so, so much, but they basically flipped with Michigan, so. Yep. That's good. I, I like those those rankings coming out in the middle of the podcast. It's, it's great to hear. Also, another another thing is, can Oklahoma State defense, can they stifle the Baylor rush game again? Can they do it two times in a row? I, I think they might not hold them to 107. But again, I think if they come out and have a couple big plays on offense, that you can't run the ball. I mean, like, if, if you're playing from behind, you can't run the ball. That's why rushing teams usually struggle playing from behind. I, I think Oklahoma State can. I mean, they stifled Oklahoma for mm-hmm. an entire half. And I know Oklahoma hasn't had the best offenses here. They have Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. And they have Lincoln Riley, one of the most brilliant offensive minds college football has ever seen, stifled. I mean, couldn't run the ball, couldn't pass the ball. I think Oklahoma State's capable. What's your prediction? What are you, what are you thinking? If I had to predict a score, I would say Oklahoma State 31, Baylor I don't know if they break twenty. I think I'll go twenty-one as well. I think I think the I'll, same as me. Thirty-one. I, I, think, I think that's inaccurate because I don't think it's a huge difference. Well, I, I don't think it's. I think it's thirty-one fourteen or thirty-one-seven at one point. I really uh, do. Oh, you think it'll be that in the game? Yeah, I think it'll be. That, oh, yeah. I think it'll be at that point. I think it'll be a thirty-one-seven, thirty-one fourteen, and then Baylor score a oh, couple of those starters on defense are coming out if they get up that by that much. You oh, guys yeah. believe it? Yeah, they're, you they're know, getting ready. This is huge for the program. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's that could be the score. Or it could be close. Or it could be close. It could be like it could be like twenty one it could be twenty one seventeen or twenty four twenty one and then Baylor Oklahoma State scores a couple of late touchdowns. I I think it's gonna my opinion is it'll start close. Uh that Baylor yeah. will come out with some trick plays, they'll punch them in the mouth. I mean they'll be physical. Um uh, but Oklahoma State's gonna pull away because they are a better team. They have a better coach. They have a better culture. They have super seniors, man. Mm-hmm. You look at what LSU did. You look at all the teams. I mean, Trey Sermon last year for Ohio State. Like, super seniors are huge because they've seen it all. I mean, these guys have played against every Baylor. They've played against three different Baylor coaches, these players. I mean, they've seen everything. And so they're not going to be scared by something. They're not going to be surprised by something. Mm-hmm. I think they're ready. I mean, these guys have lived their careers on mediocre Oklahoma State teams for an opportunity like this. I don't think Mike Gundy's the kind of coach that's going to wet the bed this week. Definitely. All right, let's move on to number 21 now, Houston, and number four, Cincinnati. Ten and a half. Yes, Trey's smiling because we get to talk about Cincinnati. Well, let me tell you, Trey, I got some stats to throw at you. Cincinnati, of course, has been up and down. They play down to their competition. They play up to their competition. I've been saying that for a little bit. Did you know Houston's defense currently ranks six in total defense? 
I did not know that. I know they've been playing really good as of late. Houston's defense ranks six. So they have the capacity to slow down the Cincinnati offense. They do. They can do it. And not only that, like I said on, on the paper, they have the firepower on offense as well. They, they can throw the ball across the field. They love, they love to throw that rock. Mm-hmm. So my question is you is can that Cincinnati defense hold up? I think the secondary can hold up, obviously, with Kobe Bryant and Ahmad Sauce Gardner. But can they hold up enough to stop this Houston offense? My thoughts on this game is Houston reminds me so much of SMU. I, I, they're such similar programs because they have really good passing games. They're both Big 12-style offenses, and SMU got pounded. Cincinnati just showed up ready. I mean, they showed up because they, they have something to prove when they play. I just don't see them coming into this game and allowing Houston to do something. I think it's possible, though. I mean, they, they've played close games. Uh, this game scares me more than any other game they've played all season. Um, I just don't think Cincinnati's pass rush is going to allow them to have the kind of time to pass like that versus East Carolina, man. When they knew that East Carolina was passing, it got ugly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had three guys winning on one play. Um, and so the one-on-ones that I think they're going to win, um, I think Houston's going to come out hot. I, I don't think this game will be a blowout as much as SMU, but I think Cincinnati will win by 10. I, I think Cincinnati's defense is built for a team like Houston, just like they were built for SMU because of because of the two best corners that they have, two mm-hmm. of the best corners in the country, I think. Oh, yeah. My prediction, though, I think Houston pulls the upset. I know wow. a lot of people are going to be disagreeing. I think Houston wins 35-31. That's a hot one. And 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 my reasoning is this. The six-ranked total defense, the offense that they have, a conference championship game, an 11-1 Houston team ready to ruin Cincinnati season, I think that they have the capability of doing it. And I just have, I don't know, it's it's a gut feeling, and I think that Houston, I think Houston's going to knock off Cincinnati. I, I would disagree with you there. Yes. I, I just think that the defense is not going to allow that to happen. I also think Desmond Ritter is incredibly underrated in some of the games that played this year. Last week versus East Carolina, I mentioned he had a couple turnovers. There were a couple throws he had perfectly over the middle that were dropped, that just went right through the hands, came off the chest of receivers. I think if they make those plays, they'll win. Uh, Desmond Ritter also does not run the ball very much when they play lower schools. So when they play Tulsa, when they play Navy, you don't see Desmond Ritter taking the rock as much. When they played SMU, Desmond Ritter had that rock. He did that against Notre Dame as well. When they need to win, they're going to let their player play. I think Desmond Ritter is going to carry on offense. I think he has at least three touchdowns. Uh, I don't think he makes a case for the Heisman or anything like that, but I think he does what he needs to do to secure the win. And once they get a lead, the 10 points or so, Jerome Ford can tote that rock. Their second and third string running backs could be starters at most other Power 5 programs. Uh, And their pass rush and their coverage is so good, it'd be hard to come from behind versus Cincinnati. At, At Cincinnati, right? I think, or it might be somewhere else. I'm pretty sure it's at Cincinnati, and their fan base has been. It's got. I've watched their games this year. The crowd has gotten bigger and bigger mm-hmm. at every game, and louder and louder. So I think Cincinnati wins. What do you think the score is? Do you have uh, a score uh, for us? I think the score would be something like 31-21, 31-24. Um, I, I don't think they win hugely, but I think it will never be where you're worrying about Cincinnati winning. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to pull a Tulsa on us this week. I think that I think they'll be ready. Good. Well, I think they will pull a Tulsa. And I think instead they'll win, actually. Hey, me, me and Zach will have to talk after the game. We'll see We'll see if we're still friends. Now number 13, Iowa, versus number number two now, Michigan. Yes. Ten and a half point favor for Michigan. I, I was going over some stats for Iowa. And in their eight power five wins, they are 25 and seven in the turnover differential. In favor of them. I know. Yeah, it's crazy. In, in games where they've lost a turnover di- differential, they're one and two. 
and they've lost in their two losses, they've lost that turnover differential seven to one. So they've turned the ball over in their losses a lot. But in their wins, they always in seven of their wins are in and they're seven and oh when they force three or three or more turnovers. They've had seven seven games like that where they force three or more turnovers. So I think if, if you're Michigan, you're looking at that and you know this Iowa defense can force turnovers, they feed off turnovers, your number one your number one thing is you have to take care of the ball. You can you cannot give Iowa any momentum in this game because the minute the minute Iowa takes the momentum for this game, they can slow the clock down. They can run their tempo, that ground and pound def- ground and pound offense, running it down your throat, that I formation like Kurt Friends likes to run. I think that Michigan has an answer on offense, and it's two words, uh, Hassan Haskins. Yes. I think J.J. McCarthy is going to play as well. I think they're going to run the ball a lot. I watched a lot of Iowa games early on in the year because one of my best friends and the guy in the dorm next to me is an Iowa fan. And they, they forced turnovers. Pin, they, they forced turnovers, but they hurt quarterbacks. They played against a lot of back of quarterbacks. If they don't hurt Sean Clifford, Penn State wins that game oh, by yeah. double digits. They do. Iowa's offense has not been consistent. Aiden Hutchinson is going to tear it up. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson is a motivated player. Had three sacks versus Ohio State. Could have had a couple more. I mean, there were some throwaways. They made C.J. Stroud look confused. They made the offense with the best wide receiver trio we've seen since Alabama a few years ago. I mean, they, they it took them 12 plays to get down the field, Zach. Mm-hmm. Versus Michigan State, they're scoring in two, three plays. I just don't think Iowa's going to be able to stop them, um, especially because, I mean, they have that that swagger going into this game, and Jim Harbaugh is not going to lose this opportunity. I mean, he's been given an opportunity to build a legacy. He beats Ohio State and wins a Big Ten championship in one year. It's a huge year for Michigan. What's your prediction? I think Michigan wins 34 to 17, but I think they pull their starters in like the mid fourth quarter. Yeah, we're kind of on the we're kind of on the same boat. I think same 20, kind of I think win. Michigan 27-10. I don't think they turn the ball over. I think that's just that's something that has to be preached to them. Again, like I said, I worry about the Iowa offense. I don't think they have enough firepower to win. That's why I think they only scored 10. Because I don't think they're going to move the ball. I, I just think when Michigan pulls the starters, because they got to get Aiden Hutchinson. they got to get Ojabo out of there. I mean, they can't let those guys stay in there. I think when they do that, uh, they'll be able to score a little easier on those last two drives, you know? So that, that's my opinion. I, I, I think this is a very, I think this will be the most one sided of the championship games. I definitely agree. All right, we have two more championship games. These are the forgotten championship games. Number 11, Oregon versus number 19, Utah. Oregon, if chaos happens, could still make the playoff. It would take a miracle. <laughs> oh my goodness! But if chaos happens, they could still make it into the top four. Um, but again, a miracle has to happen. Utah, obviously, Utah won, so they're right now currently have a, a three point spread on them. But I think I honestly think Oregon will come out motivated, and I think Oregon will win this game. I, I think that that Oregon and, and Mario Cristobal they're going to win the Pac twelve. They're they're going to get redemption on Utah. I I just. <sighs> I want to believe in Mario Cristobal, and Oregon is a team I always want to see succeed, and they have let me down four straight years. Yep, they have. They had Justin Herbert, man. Justin Herbert goes to the pros to a struggling L.A. Chargers team and immediately looks like an incredible quarterback. Mm -hmm. Where was that at his senior year? Where was it at? I mean, disappeared. You have Kayvon Thibodeau. You have such a talented running game on offense. And well, you're they lost C.J. Verdell. That, that, that is true, but I think the running back right now is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he showed it versus Ohio State. Um, I, I just don't think they're going to be able to cover the kind of spread they had versus Utah. Utah's got them figured out. Utah is not the one having to do homework this week. It's always harder to beat a team twice. I think Utah's going to pull away with the win here. I, I think I think Oregon 31-27. What are you saying? I, I say Utah by 10. Utah by 10? 
So that, that's just my thought because uh, I watched that game. Two disagreements. Well, I watched I watched that game till the third quarter. I I don't have that kind of patience, man. <laughs> Two disagreements now on the show. Now let's talk the ACC championship, the no one cares championship, the no one cares ACC championship, <laughs> like I have on here. Number now fifteen Pittsburgh, number sixteen Wake Forest, three point favorite for Pittsburgh, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, first one to forty. <laughs> I said the same thing for the, the the Wake Forest and UNC game. First one to hit 40 is going to win this game. Kenny Pickett versus Sam Hartman. High-powered Wake Forest offense and the receivers versus Kenny Pickett and this high-powered um, throw-it-all-over-the-field Pat Narduzzi Pittsburgh team. I don't think there's a better passer in the nation right now as far as accuracy is concerned than Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. I know Bryce Young's playing way harder teams, but Kenny Pickett, Clemson still has a great defense. Don't get it wrong. I mean, Georgia found that out earlier this year. Kenny Pickett looked fantastic. Yep. Kenny Pickett has looked so good. I think he's going to sit in the pocket, but he can move around. I mean, Kenny Pickett's a dynamic player. I think Pittsburgh wins this game. I don't think it's going to be. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be a game with a lot of defense, like you're saying. No. Um, just like the Wake Forest game earlier this year. Wake Forest defense is is silly. I mean, they're just not very good schematically. Their offense is not that good under pressure, though. That's the that's the thing that I'm the key on because I watched the Clemson game and I knew from the first two drives Wake Forest couldn't win. They don't have that kind of physicality, and even though Pittsburgh's not an upper echelon on program i think they're gonna get the win i think i think pittsburgh will get the win i think 45 41 pittsburgh over wake forest what you thinking are you thinking first i think it'll be or? i think i think it one will score 40 i don't think both will score 40 so like 42 to like 20 i'd say like yeah at 42 to like 35 there no teams holding a team to, th- to 24 this is the acc <laughs> championship game but I, I can honestly say i'm gonna watch the highlights for kenny pickett because i'm a big steelers fan we might have to pick him up in the offseason but i will not be watching that game why not desmond ritter i thought you wanted desmond ritter. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll see what hey i'll take any quarterback right now after we <laughs> lost to the Bengals 41 to 10 oh we're, we're not getting into that Cincinnati team yeah, yeah. today, though. This is a college football breakdown, not the NFL breakdown. Uh, right? Dude, I'm just having nightmares right now. <laughs> but no, hey, I, I think the, the Cowboys lost to the Raiders. So. Oh yeah, that was a tough game. But anyway, I think Kenny Pickett plays better than Sam Hartman here. Um, I, I think it just shows that Wake Forest, good school. This is the best Wake Forest has been in a long time. They had a pretty favorable schedule. They had yeah, a couple favorable a wins. Bit. Yeah, so uh, I, I think the UNC game shows us that mm-hmm. this is not a. I don't think this is a championship caliber team. Hey, they come out and surprise me. I love an underdog. You know, we'll see what happens. All right, y'all. Well, that's going to do it for the college football. Pre- this is our preview uh, breakdown. This is this is going to end it. It was really fun having you on the podcast, Trey. I, I really enjoyed it. You know your stuff, man, and I and I, I love it, man. This this was an absolute blast. I'm really looking forward to these matchups. These are good games. Uh, hopefully, between now and the next podcast, there's not another massive five star coaching hire where a coach backs out of his word. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Oh man, look at that, uh, Nick Saban. Uh, oh my god, going to Cincinnati. <laughs> <Stop that>. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're swapping Luke Fickle for Nick Saban. But me and me and Zach will have to have some kind of wager put up. I mean, Cincinnati's beating Houston. That's that's my final take. <laughs> oh, I need to have you on with grant we need to get all three of us on here with with grant's fun self talking smack about his georgia fan, georgia team me and grant disagreed about cincinnati yesterday as well grant grant, grant thinks, is grant cincinnati thinks, hater grant thinks old miss would blow cincinnati out by 20 points and i strongly disagree yeah he mentioned that on the he mentioned that on the podcast <laughs> that's why we had to do it separate night guys just yeah, kidding Grant's a great guy. you don't want you don't want to fight in the middle of the podcast <laughs> all right y'all i'll see y'all next week we're gonna have the breakdown for all these interesting games and maybe there might be another coaching hire great for y'all listening again we're on spotify we're on rss.com we are on apple Podcasts. go check us out go give us a follow can't really like the podcast but you can like it by watching the whole thing for us see y'all